Welcome once again to The Shepherd's Voice with Archbishop Lucas. Archbishop, good to see you again. It's good to be with you, thanks. The month of May is dedicated in a special way to our mother Mary. You wanted to, to talk about how we can emulate her and, and understand her role in our lives, in the life of the church, in a special way at this time. We're coming right up on, on the feast of Mary, Queen of the Apostles. Uh, you have referred to her as the first and best disciple. How do we know that she is the, the, the model of discipleship? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, she has a lot of titles, of course, but the titles we hope un- help us understand her and get to get to know her role in, in God's saving plan better. We know that she was the first one to encounter Jesus at the moment of the Annunciation when the Lord began uh, to live in, in her womb. There, there was nobody else who had encountered him. And of course, no one had that intimate relationship with him like a mother would have with her son. So the relationship began during the pregnancy and and then continues. Uh, she remains the mother of Jesus. He's the son of God, son of Mary, and he's um, one person and she she is his mother. That's part of our uh, our understanding in, uh, in the church. She has a central role then in the kingdom of God and in, in God's plan uh, for our salvation. But it wasn't uh, only that she encountered Jesus before anybody else did, but at the moment that she was introduced to God's plan that she'd be the mother of the Savior and realized that this was becoming a reality in her own body, and in her own person. She began to reorient her life around this reality, around this plan of God that, that she'd be the mother of the Savior. She was already planning uh, to be married to Joseph. I don't know ex- what exactly was in, in their minds, but we think a more normal understanding of, of marriage, what, what most people would would have expected at that time or, or even in our time. This was a tremendous turning upside down of, of, of all those plans. But Mary accepted it and accepted Jesus into her life, which is what disciples do. And that began to make all the difference. She would learn all the difference it would make you know, at various, at various points. But as she understood it, she went with it in freedom. She accepted God's will, made her own will, her own choices to follow what God was proposing. God didn't interfere with her with her freedom at all. So she gave herself to it and gave herself to the to Jesus and then along the line more and more to his certainly always to his welfare and to, to support him, but then eventually to support his his mission. It's a little bit different way of becoming a disciple from what happened later on during Jesus' public ministry where when he would get to know people and invite them. Right. To, to be his disciples, invite them into a friendship with him. So Mary's relationship with the Lord is, is unique. At the same time, because she's so dedicated to him and really responding, because she responded in faith so wholeheartedly to the coming of Jesus into her life, we, we consider her to, to be a disciple and the first and best disciple. Often Mary can be kind of a stumbling block. Why is this, why is this woman so important to these Catholics? What's our relationship with her now? It's not simply as the figure who... You know, she had this important role, and she's part of the architecture now. So, mm-hmm. It's a great question. I think that is perhaps why she is a stumbling block for some. In some cases, it's because there's bad teaching about Mary. But to just look or think about her from a distance isn't necessarily all that helpful. So part of the reason why the church dedicates this month of, of May to Mary, part of the reason why we see that she has so many different titles in the, in the church and in, in the devotion of, of people o- over time, is that the, uh, those all provide opportunities to get to not only understand more about Mary, but to get to know her personally and to come into a, a close relationship w- with her in the communion of saints. Uh, she kind of 
is at the head of that procession. As the saints go marching in, Mary's at the at the yeah. head of the parade, <laughs> and uh, we want to be in that number. We're we're following, but but she's yeah. not a distant member and and not sort of reigning as a an uncaring monarch, you know, somewhere right. far <laughs> off. Jesus gave her to the Apostle John at, at the time of the crucifixion, and really gave her to all of us through him. We come to understand that she's is the mother of all of us in in the church. She was present as the as the church began her mission on Pentecost with the coming of, of the Holy Spirit. Even though we don't know all the details, we can imagine how she would have mentored and encouraged the the apostles and and the first disciples of Jesus as the as they were just beginning to undertake the the mission that, that Jesus had asked them to do, and that they were equipped now with the with the Holy Spirit, but. I'm sure appreciated very much the guidance and the the motherly care that that they would have received from Mary. The uh, disciples were sent out equipped with the Holy Spirit to preach Jesus Christ and to introduce other people to him. And they knew him, of course, well, um, but they didn't know him as well as she did. And so she was able to help deepen the knowledge and love of Jesus and the first disciples and to help them understand Jesus in his integrity as she would have known him from the very first moment of of his life. I picture her being helpful in those uh, first disciples becoming perhaps overly pious or giving an overly sanitized version of of Jesus and and of his personality and and of his mission. And of course, she, like mothers do, she loved everything about him. And her knowledge of him would have grown. She accepted her role as the mother of God from the very beginning at the time of the Annunciation, but she had to grow into it. And uh, as Jesus grew, she would have grown with, with him, you know, in terms of understanding him, understanding his mission, and understanding how best to be supportive, how to guide him. All of those things which are a mysterious part of God's plan, that his son would have come as a vulnerable member of the human family, yeah. all the time remaining the son of God, but human fully, and receiving that human nature through Mary. So they were kind of in that together from the beginning, and so she knew Jesus, appreciated him, understood him, loved him, and could communicate that in a in a unique way to the disciples at the beginning of the church. And we think she, she still communicates it to us now. She's still intimately connected to his body mm-hmm. now. It's in a, a different way, right. uh, a more full and complete way mm-hmm. that I think is, is very helpful and clarifying. Is she's always close yeah. to the body of Jesus. Yeah. She gave birth to him in Bethlehem, as mm-hmm. uh, as we know, and then was uh, uh, present as the church was born at uh, at Pentecost. His Now his living body in the world, animated by the Holy Spirit, and mm-hmm. took responsibility, we gather, to help protect and nurture that infant church at the beginning, that it might continue to, to grow. We continue to honor her in the church and have liturgical feasts, but also a lot of of private devotion, because we understand that she's still doing that. That's still her, her mission. She's not retired from, <laughs> from that. So the, the church continues to grow and struggle, and we can get disoriented. We can get perhaps defective or unusual ideas about Jesus that don't really correspond to who, who he is truly, mm-hmm. that, that interferes with our own discipleship, our own witness to him in the world, and coming to Mary and asking her intercession and, and praying with her in, in the communion of saints can help keep us focused on on the real Jesus, crucified and now risen, reigning gloriously at the, the right hand of the Father and living truly in, in the world in his body, the church. So we have that feast coming up. It's a title that 
has been attributed to Mary for a long time, Mary Mother of the Church, but this will be the second year that we've celebrated that feast, the Monday after Pentecost. So that's one key date coming up where we'll, we'll celebrate her particular role with, with us here. Yeah, when the Holy Father established that feast on the liturgical calendar, it was deliberately put right after Pentecost to, to reinforce that reality for that us that, that Mary yeah, was there right at, at the beginning and was the mother of the church, not just at the beginning, but, it, but is still. So as you mentioned, the day before that is Pentecost. This year uh, on the Vigil of Pentecost, we will be praying together, a lot of us here in Omaha, and looking at her in a particular way. What form is that going to take? For the 15,000 or so that will be coming to the Arch Omaha Unite event, Many have registered, and I want to invite you to kind of keep that date on your calendar if you're registered and, and be sure to come. You'll notice that Mary will be very prominent that day. We'll, we'll be recognizing her with us on that day, the Vigil of Pentecost. We can think of ourselves as the disciples of Jesus, the original disciples, with Mary, waiting for the Holy Spirit. And we'll invite her to intercede for us, to pray with us as we anticipate a fresh outpouring of the, of the Holy Spirit and in our archdiocese. Uh, there'll be an opportunity in parishes for not only those who will be participating in the Unite event, but other parishioners to consecrate themselves to, to Mary in the, the days and the weeks leading up to that event. There'll be a, a moment during the day when we will make an act of consecration, which is another way of, of saying we, we just sort of present ourselves at the feet of Mary like the first disciples were and count on her continued intercession and, and guidance as we receive the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As you're recalling that the purpose of this event that we're having is to gather and, and, and express that oneness of being part of his body, that one church, she is another reflection of that. Her, her work, her intercession uh, throughout the ages uh, in different places and cultures and pretty much every culture where, where Christianity has taken root has had some kind of apparition or uh, particular devotion that takes on the, some of the flavor of those people. Mm -hmm. um, so that will be on, on, on display, at least in, in some part, it sounds like at, the, at this event as well, that we're, that we're going to see her as, as our mother, all of us uh, together, but also particularly. Right. The event is designed to help us foster a culture of unity here in, in the Archdiocese to experience that unity that we have in, in Jesus Christ. And Mary is an important instrument of uh, of that. As you say, uh, people in every culture, in, in every age have been, uh, have, have, we all get Mary, you might say, <laughs> yeah. in various ways, but uh, kind of adopt her into our culture and feel her motherly care in the particular context in which we're living and struggling and working together and to further the, the, the mission of the, uh, of the church. If you um, visit the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C., you see just a little niche and chapel after chapel. Uh, dedicated to Mary under the titles that come from various cultures. Mm -hmm. So different nationalities, different aspects of, of her motherly care for the church in many ways through over the generations. It seems at first perhaps a little odd to somebody who, who's not well acquainted with Mary's role in the church. may seem even a little redundant that there should be you know, yet another chapel dedicated to Mary. <laughs> but to, to walk through there and, and see the various manifestations of, of people's love for Mary and in a sense, they're taking possession of her in a beautiful way as as their own mother. We see that she brings us all together in her sonnet and her role in the life of Jesus and in the role of the uh, church in the history of salvation really is something that everybody can 
understand, uh, uh, no matter you know what our background, what our spiritual journey ha- has been, if we're open to it. Right. As you said earlier, there's some people that sort of object to to Mary being, you know, placed in a, a, an outsized role in, uh, in the church. But she she has the role that that God has given her in in, in His uh, divine plan, and we see it clearly in Scripture. And then we've experienced it in the history of the church, and and still, yeah, she's not superhuman. She's just a hundred percent human. <laughs> she's a hundred percent human, and I think uh, in her role as a disciple, you know, we, we can receive some encouragement. We know that she was conceived without sin. She lived her life w- w- without. Uh, committing sin, but it doesn't mean she had a perfect life. So right. one of her titles is Our Lady of Sorrow. So we, she experienced sadness and loss in her life, but uh, she also had to grow into a, a more mature woman, a more mature disciple of, of Jesus Christ, as we all have to. She's not God. We don't think of her as a goddess, as, as somebody who just you know has it all together by her nature. She's a human person, a very privileged one, and yet had to exercise her freedom to choose to dedicate her life to her son Jesus and to his mission, ultimately, and to choose to accept more and more of what that would mean, both for him and, 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 and for her. I find a great deal of encouragement and consolation in that, to, to know that Mary knew a lot more <laughs> five years into the life of Jesus or 10 years into life on earth than she knew it at the beginning. That's the pattern we could all hope to follow. We've got part of it now, and and we hope to know more, but also then as a result to love more, to participate more in the in the saving mission of Jesus, which is the responsibility and the privilege he gives to every disciple. Yeah, I mean, so we can we can really look to her. You would know, discern this vision which you've you've offered us as in, our need to encounter her son Jesus, to be equipped as disciples, to equip other disciples, uh, to live mercy. And we see in her this this rhythm of discipleship. So she received Jesus into her life, and he was a, an intimate part of her life, and she of his, and they have a very personal, deep relationship. But uh, her role was not just to hang on to him, mm. but to encourage him, and at a certain moment, offer him, you know, for his for his public ministry, and to introduce other people to him as 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 she continues to do. So that it really is the the rhythm of of uh, of discipleship that we come in to this uh, personal encounter with, with the Lord, but then we also um, introduce o- other people to him. It's one of the, it's the pattern that Mary sets for us and she continues by her example and her intercession to, to equip us to, to do that. It seems an appropriate time to, to turn to her then and, and ask her intercession if you'd be willing to lead us in a, in a prayer toward this end that we would, uh, we would grow in our discipleship following, uh, following her example and asking for her for her intercession, would you would you lead us in a prayer? Yeah, sure. We can we can pray the the prayer that Catholics know that has its origin with the the announcement of the of the angel. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Shepherd's Voice a podcast of the Archdiocese of Omaha. For more information, visit archomaha.org slash podcast.